The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us both from our reading from Exodus 12, the account of that first Passover meal, and also our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, which speaks to us about Jesus' instituting of the Lord's Supper on that first Monday, Thursday. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Fresh out of seminary, I arrived at my first congregation. And with each visit I made into the home of my new members, I brought with me a form that was intended for them to fill out. At the top of the page, it simply said, Funeral Preparation Form. It was a form that was meant to help in the eventual reality that the people that I was visiting would die and would need to plan a funeral. So it asked for information like favorite hymns, and it asked for information like favorite scriptures. Now there were a few people who were ready with this information right away, having considered the event before. But I'll say that most were not ready On the whole, I suppose most of them wondered why their new pastor on his first visit to their home was asking them to consider their impending death. Truth be told, we seem to live in a culture where we want to talk about death as little as possible. We almost want to act as if we have already rid the world of that pesky problem. Don't talk about it, and it doesn't exist, we tell ourselves. After all, in our culture, people often progress towards death in a setting that is far removed from their loved ones. Therefore, many people have never even been in the room when someone has actually died. It can almost seem in our society at times like people don't die anymore. They just disappear all of a sudden. We're often not there when they die. Their caskets are often not present or they're tightly closed at their funerals. Their burials are sometimes private and other times delayed. And it is not just the death of people that we seem to avoid in our culture, but death in general, even the death of animals. Now, while I know that some of you still hunt and farm, But even those that hunt and farm less and less actually go through the process of processing their own meat. The few of you who do still know what it means to kill and to personally butcher an animal must know that you are a minority in this country. So many of us eat quite a bit of meat and yet have never seen an animal be killed or butchered. One day they're on the farm And as far as we know, the next day, they're in our freezers. We just don't deal very closely with death in our society. We try to keep it out of sight whenever we can. And if that is all true, well then today's Old Testament reading might leave us all a bit uncomfortable. For then the account of that first Passover meal and that exodus of God's people out of Egypt Death is unavoidable. After all, it all begins with the slaughter of the Passover lamb. 
which almost certainly included the cutting of the animal's throat in order that its blood might be drained. And if that's not enough to turn your insides, there's more death to consider in this situation. The reading recalls the way in which God freed his people from the slavery that had been hoisted upon them by the Pharaoh in Egypt. After sending many lesser plagues upon the Egyptians in order to try to convince the Pharaoh to let his people Israel go go free, God prepared to send a final plague upon the Pharaoh. Everyone would wake up in the morning to find that their firstborn son had died. Why? Well, due to the hard-hearted Pharaoh's rebellion against the one true God. Well, not everyone actually would experience that the next morning. And that's where we get back to that Passover lamb being killed. But you see, not only were the people of God instructed to take a lamb, uh, then slaughter it and eat it together in haste, as a confession that they were soon leaving Egypt and walking towards the promised land, they were also to capture some of the blood for another purpose. This lamb would not only be eaten, but its blood would be responsible for saving the Israelites from the death that had been promised in that tenth plague. In an act that grates against almost every modern sensibility that we have, the family was told to take some of the blood of that lamb and smear it upon their doorposts, on both sides and over the top. God promised that if they did that, they would be spared the tragedy that the rest of the Egyptians would encounter the next morning. Only if the lamb was slaughtered, and only if the blood of the lamb was upon the homes of the people of God, would they be saved from that plague that God was sending. Only then would they truly have a new life in a new land. Only then would they be saved. Tonight, we gather to ponder the events that occurred on Thursday of that first Holy Week. And all of the events of that evening point to Jesus' willingness to sacrifice himself for those he loved. First, we heard in our Gospel reading tonight how he sacrificed his own honor and dignity and pride. He sacrificed those things as he bowed down to serve his disciples by washing their feet during the Passover meal. But it was also in that same context that he also explained the ultimate sacrifice that he would make for them and for all the world. He explained how he would prove himself to be the true Passover lamb that all of those other lambs had pointed towards because he himself would be sacrificed in Jerusalem. Yes, he had bowed down to wash the disciples' feet, but soon he would be lifted up in order that he might wipe their whole bodies clean of the filth of their sins. He called his disciples to remember this sacrifice often, as they would gather time and time again to institute the meal that he that night was beginning. For in this meal he promised to be present in his body and blood with his people. No, you can't really tell the story of Passover or of the Last Supper if you want to refuse to talk about death. 
So here is the truth. In both cases, the Passover lamb has to die. The Passover lamb of old was killed both for food and for protection against the death that the plague would bring. Jesus, the true and final Passover lamb, was literally lifted up upon the cross of torment, and he died there. His blood flowed out of his veins onto the ground, just like it happened to those lambs throughout the history of God's people. His body was butchered right before everyone's eyes. The whips and the fists and the cross itself caused his flesh to be opened up before the world. And it is that very flesh and blood that this night you receive under simple bread and wine. Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood. That's the invitation that you receive this night from God's Passover lamb. Paul reminds us that every time we celebrate this meal, we indeed are proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. As each time we gather, we are reminding ourselves and we are confessing to the world that we Christians not only mention death, but we celebrate death. Oh, not all death, but we celebrate the death of the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ our Lord. For we know that apart from his death, there is no rescue from the sin that enslaves us. There is no salvation had he not died. And we know that there is nothing that can prepare us for both life and death better than eating of his body and blood, which were given unto death sacrificially for us. Now, we Christians have no other option than to talk about death if we wish to speak about our faith. First, we must talk about death in general as part of our confession of how messed up the world is and even more personally how messed up each of us is we have to confess before the world that indeed the wages of sin are in fact and reality death and we have a duty to remind our world that death is a reality all will deal with whether we like to think about it or not but even more importantly we talk about death because we can't talk about jesus without it if we can't talk about the death of Jesus, well, then we have nothing important really to say at all that's different from anyone else in the world. We know that only talking about Jesus' death can bring us the comfort we need in regards to our sins. And we know that only talking about Jesus can bring others to share the confidence of faith that rests in Jesus that we have. Yes, the Passover lamb must be killed in order for rescue to occur. The blood of the lamb must be placed upon that doorpost or it must be placed inside of our mouths or there will be no salvation. And so again tonight we gather at this rail. We proclaim Jesus' death until he comes and we rejoice to have his body and blood placed into our mouths. For there we trust we will find life and salvation. And that's what truly prepares us for our own deaths. While the form I brought with me on those first visits in the ministry could only be described at best as helpful, the killing of the Passover lamb Jesus is not only helpful in preparing for death, it is essential. 
Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For you see, life is found in the blood. Life is found in the blood of the Lamb. So come, proclaim his death and eat and drink. In refusing to avoid death, you will find rescue. You will find salvation. You will find life in Jesus, the Passover Lamb of God. Amen.